don't require that advanced level of coding and all that mathematical foundations critical thinking skills communication skills it involves data collection data cleaning and then modeling and then finally deployment namaste again welcome back to learning paths a career podcast which enables you to stand out from the crowd and motivates you to perform to your truest potential equip yourself with tips and strategies of the latest tools technologies resources best practices interview experiences side hustles from people who have been there and done that i'm back with another inspiring person who refused to be bogged down by challenges transformed challenges into opportunities and carved out a different path for herself my guest today chose a path that's not the typical 9 to 5 kind it's the one that enables her to pursue her interests her passions and empowers her to enjoy her kind of lifestyle while helping and motivating many around her that's usha rengaraju for you from being a hyperactive child to being the world's first woman triple kaggle grandmaster usha currently heads the data science research at exa protocol She's ranked as one of the top 10 data scientists in India for the year 2020 and 2021. She leads many tech communities and is a pioneer in organizing events around neurodiversity and data science in India. She's prepared the curriculum for Bits Pilani for upgrade PGP program. Her recent accolades include being a winner of ML in Action competition by Google's ML team and more recently Her team won first place in Women in Data Science 2022 Datathon which was conducted by Stanford University. Without further ado, let's welcome Usha Rengaraju. Welcome Usha. So happy and proud to have you join us. Thank you so much Usha uh, for uh, the opportunity to be part of the podcast. It's my it's my pleasure to be uh Thank you. Usha, we would love to hear in your words. How has your childhood been and how did you come to the field of data science? Um I'm from Chennai. I uh, did my schooling, engineering and all my early years were spent there. And when my school I was a coco player, I was too much into sports. I was both a coco player and I was also a sprinter. I was also doing 100 meters, 200 meters. I did coco at the national level but uh, the athletics at the state level. And um I after I did my schooling, I graduated to the traditional path of engineering and I specialized in computer science. and my early part of my career was mostly in uh, the investment banking sector i was uh, building software products for the investment banking domain and i worked across various portfolio of projects and uh, so i was very very passionate about getting into that domain and uh, i at that point thought you know uh, doing cfa or uh, degree uh, you know certifications might help me you know propel in my career and i thought you know let me take a short career break and then you know uh, complete the certifications because the certifications was very demanding and uh, you know there's a lot of finance concepts which has to be uh, digested so you know it requires i mean if you are not 
having finance as your degree and your undergraduate, then you might have to put a lot of effort into it. So there was a period where I was uh, taking a lot of uh, certifications in data science as well, mm-hmm. parallelly preparing for the examinations. And at this point of time, I got an opportunity, a small uh, small time gig, you know, to be a part of a data science project where they were building, uh, you know, uh, trading systems using AI. So since I had the background of finance and AI, they thought I would be a right fit for the position. And that was my first project, which I took in. And then there was no turning back and project after project somehow, uh, you know, I, uh, there was no turning back going into finance. I just got observed into data science fields. So I would call myself an accidental data scientist. And I've been working in the, uh, both in the consulting, I've consulted for various domains and I've also been a corporate trainer, prepared curriculum, as you earlier mentioned, prepared curriculum for various universities. And currently I head the data science research for EXA protocol. It's a blockchain company where uh, we have a few use cases in the interface of AI and cybersecurity. Uh, so it's interesting uh, work which we do at EXA. And uh, yeah, this has been my journey so far. That's quite a journey from sports person to a job in banking sector and from there to freelancing, then change of domain, accidental data scientist indeed. Let's start from the basics. For someone starting out in data science, there are many terminologies. Data science, data analysis, deep learning, computer vision, natural language processing. Can you help us understand each of them in simple words? Yeah, sure. Uh, So data science, if you take the word science is important because you follow a set of steps or you uh, follow a scientific approach here. So both the words, both data and science is uh, equally important. Mm. And so any data science project, it involves, you know, boils down to getting, using data to come up with insights so that you can make effective business decisions. But this is a very, very umbrella term and, you know, it has a lot of subfields in it. And some of these subfields are machine learning, deep learning, computer vision, and NLP. So when it comes for machine learning and deep learning, the primary difference would be like machine learning, you have to give a handcrafted set of features. For example, if you're going to uh, one of the problem statements is estimating the price of the house. So to estimate the price of the house, you'll have to give features like how many rooms it has got, when was the house built, and, you know, is it close to any uh, school and things like that, and, you know, uh, how many floors it has. And so these are some of the details which you need to give to the algorithm for it to estimate the price of the house. So machine, these these fall under machine learning because machine learning generally you give handcrafted features. But deep learning does not take handcrafted features as input. So you just give an input image. You know, it will create its own features. 
So you all you have to do is give the data in its natural form. It could be, you know, natural language text. You know, I'm speaking right now at the moment that can be fed as an input to a deep learning algorithm. I don't have to, uh, you know, manually extract certain features from what I'm speaking and then feed it to the algorithm. So you just can speak, uh, feed the data in its natural form to the algorithm and the deep learning itself will craft its own features. So this is a primary distinction between machine learning and deep learning. Again, there's one more distinction with the kind of data you deal with. So uh, if you're going to deal with an Excel time kind of in any business, you take there's a lot of Excel kind of data, which is like a tabular data. You have certain set of features and you also have an output variable, which you want the algorithm to predict. So these kind of tabular form of data generally falls under traditional machine learning. And when you take deep learning, you know, the deep learning is primarily used when there's huge volumes of data. When you have a lot of data, then generally deep learning is preferred over machine learning. So the domains which have huge volumes of data are the natural language domain. So whatever I'm speaking right now, speech and any text, the written free form of text on all these fall under the natural language processing. You can apply uh, deep learning techniques for uh, solving natural language processing problem. And there is one more medium of data, which is computer images. So you can take images, satellite imagery, or you can take any form of free form of images and you can get a lot of insights from these images. And this particular domain falls under computer vision. You can solve computer vision problems using deep learning. So uh, these are the main distinctions uh, and jargons which falls under the umbrella term of data science. You really simplified each term very well. It got me thinking of a use case of traffic camera. So translating for this use case. The capturing of the images and taking the input data from them comes under computer vision. Now, since there are huge data points, that is huge number of nameplates data that is captured on a daily basis, deep learning helps us analyze them. For unidentified vehicles, long lorries, bulky tractors with excessive luggage, human intervention is needed. So machine learning here makes sense. And making sense of our voice instructions and commands for the likes of Google Home and Alexa is natural language processing, right? Yeah. Usha, tell me, for learners who want to take up careers in data science, what aptitude do you think they should have to be successful in those roles? I mean, I would broadly classify the skills into two categories. One is technical and non-technical skills. Mm -hmm. And uh, when it comes for technical skills, programming is a very, very crucial skill. So amongst the languages, I would say Python is being used by 95% of the companies these days. So if you have less time and if you want to just learn one language, then I would definitely recommend learning Python. One more additional information is you don't require that advanced level of coding and all that intermediate level is more than sufficient because the kind of tools and frameworks which we have in data science are very, very mature. So there are a lot of frameworks and a lot of, uh, you know, libraries which will make your life very easier. So an intermediate level of programming is definitely mandatory. And the second part component of technical skills will be mathematical foundations. 
So mathematics, there are a lot of people who still solve data science problem without understanding even some mathematics by using the libraries and frameworks. But if you want to do any deep research work, or if you want to do, uh, you know, uh, any work which requires intermediate level complexity, then mathematics is mandatory. So the four important subjects of mathematics, which is very crucial for data science, is probability, statistics, linear algebra, and calculus. So if you mostly you will use a lot of algorithms and machine learning and deep learning to solve business problems. If you want to understand the algorithms in detail, you need to understand the mathematics which governs these algorithms. So mathematical foundations is very, very crucial. And if you also see the trajectory, the algorithms are constantly evolving. So every algorithm which has come has got something positive uh, compared to its predecessor, but at the same time, it also has limitations. So if you want to come up with a new algorithm, which overcomes the limitation of existing ones, you need to understand the mathematics, which governs the algorithms. Otherwise, it's very difficult to come up with custom algorithms. And uh, some of the uh, skills which are underrated are not given much importance, but are very, very important are critical thinking skills. Because, you know, real world problems are so diverse and unpredictable. So critical thinking skills can play a huge role. And communication skills is equally important because a lot of times you will be uh, interacting with a lot of different stakeholders, customers, clients, or even within teams. You will have diverse teams within a company where you need to effectively communicate. So communication skills is very crucial. Domain knowledge is not mandatory, but at certain domains, you know, it is very, very crucial. So, for example, in uh, fields like genomics or uh, neuroscience, domain knowledge might be very crucial. And uh, but it's not always mandatory. These are some of the uh, skills which are mandatory for data scientists. I love the way you spoke about the importance of both tech and non-tech skills. So combination of both is indeed needed with special emphasis on math. So learners, if you're a math person interested in solving problems in probability, algebra, statistics, calculus, a career in data science can be your next step. And yes, it has nothing to do with a degree in engineering. Usha, talking of domain, can you share some tips and strategies for getting good internships and jobs in the data science domain? Can you suggest a few good project ideas so that interns can take them up? Yeah, sure. So one thing which people have to keep in mind is currently, you know, there are a huge pool of candidates for any available open position in data science. So the competition is very fierce. And so if the competition is fierce and aggressive, then you will have to level up yourself as well. So how can you stand yourself from the crowd? How can you stand apart from the crowd is something which you need to focus on. And some of the ways is building up a unique portfolio of projects and projects which are relatable. And you can also publish research papers whenever you solve a real world problem, which is very uh, could be for society or any real world problem you take up and you solve it. You can publish it as an article or you can publish it as a research paper. You can also attempt for patents 
and so these are ways where uh, you you know will add a lot of value to your uh, you know uh, resume so instead you instead of building skills in just a linear way in one direction you should dive you know should have a diverse portfolio so my recommended suggestion for having a diverse portfolio is uh, you know having a unique projects paper publications patents and then you can also uh, participate in various conferences so whenever you build a unique project and publish it as a research paper you can present it at different conferences because having an effective communication skill and being a public speaker and influencer are all very key skills for a data science uh, career so these are ways where you can you know dive have a diverse portfolio and networking is a very very crucial skills a lot of positions and uh, senior leadership roles uh, you know depends on the probability of getting hired depends on if you know somebody already in the company so mm-hmm. getting a job uh, has a lot of dependency on the kind of network which you have and so you know uh, spend a lot of time or invest a lot of time in building a good network uh, within the data science community yes but some of the projects which will make you stand apart and also add a lot of value to the resume and also contribute to the community are ai for climate change so climate change is a very very important social issue and it's also united nations 2030 uh, goals as well so some of the categories of projects which comes under climate change are flood segmentations uh, you know you can also use transportation smart transportation using autonomous vehicles so if you don't use a regular transportation then you know you can bring down the emission of uh, carbon dioxide by using you know uh, transportation which uh, runs on electricity so you can there are a lot of this is a very very active space of research so there are a lot of use cases uh, in these two uh, areas and india there is no shortage of healthcare use cases so for various diseases you can use deep learning and machine learning algorithms for early detection of various diseases and it's if uh, computer vision is predominantly used in healthcare computer vision and nlp is predominantly used for early diagnosis of uh, uh, diseases and uh, maintaining a 360 degree portfolio of patients so there are a lot of use cases of computer vision and nlp in healthcare and for agriculture india is predominantly an agricultural based country so we have variety of use cases there as well like crop diseases prediction and uh, you know early prediction of crop yields and using satellite imagery these are some of the use cases in agriculture so this is not a complete list so the kind of projects which you can uh, do in the social sector space is bottomless so uh, do your research and find out some interesting areas which you can connect with and get started the domains that you talked about are clearly the current issues that are challenging the world today really interesting domains and equally interesting use cases there no wonder they say that some of the best work is happening in the field of data science uh, can you run us through a simple use case 
So I'll just take a small use case, for example, energy consumption prediction. So this is an AI for climate change use case. Mm. So if you can predict the energy consumption in buildings effectively, then you can actually bring down the amount of carbon dioxide emissions. And uh, bringing down the amount of carbon dioxide emissions is very, very crucial for uh, maintaining a stable climate change. How can you estimate energy uh, consumption effectively? What kind of data do you require to solve this problem? So that is the data collection is the first phase. So to solve energy consumption problem, many government agencies, so most of us, you know, uh, pay the electricity bills. So all our energy bills are being recorded by a centralized agency. So here the government agency might be your, uh, you know, uh, source, the go-to source for collecting data. So the government will, uh, certain countries, the government publicly releases the amount of energy consumption in buildings. In certain countries, there might be no such uh, you know, maintenance of data records and all that. So in places where there is no such maintenance, you might have to, if, for example, if you're going to, uh, you know, find out the energy consumption in a particular city, then you might have to go to few houses, uh, you know, set up few meters, machines or um, any of the electrical equipments to uh, record the energy consumption usage. But in countries like United States, the energy consumption is uh, maintained by the government agencies and it's publicly available as well. So you can download it, the, download the data sets from the government websites. And so the data collection is going to be the first phase. So once you've got uh, the detailed description about each of the buildings and you also have the detailed uh, energy consumptions as well. So you might have somewhere around 130 features for this particular problem statements because each for each building, for each uh, input data point, you will have uh, where is the building situated, how many rooms that the building have, and what was the uh, climate outside, what is the precipitation rate. So you'll have weather-related features and you'll also have building-related features. And your target variable here is how much of electricity is consumed. So this is a traditional structured data problem. And this is also a tabular data problem. So it can be solved using traditional machine learning uh, method. And uh, you can also solve it using deep learning as well, because uh, these days deep learning are increasingly used in uh, machine learning um, uh, tabular data problems as well. So once you've collected the data, the data is not always in the right form. So the data will have a lot of missing values and the data will have a lot of inconsistencies as well. So you will spend almost 80% of your time cleaning the data and uh, bringing it to a format where your models can uh, you know, consume the data. So pre-processing and cleaning will take about 80% of your total project time. Okay. So that's a considerable amount of time. But luckily, we have a lot of tools and frameworks to do this job for us. Um, and then once you have cleaned the data and the data is in a proper format, then, uh, you know, you apply various algorithms to do the job. For here, the job is to predict the energy consumption. So you can try traditional machine learning algorithms like XGBoost and uh, LightGP. Um, and these are algorithms which are already implemented and we can consume these algorithms using frameworks like SkyKitLearn. And so with just few lines of code, you can build your models. And then once you build a model, 
you can uh, just make predictions on the uh, test data you will keep aside a certain position portion of data for testing so uh, when you have when you have when you have 100 rows you will be training your model in 70 rows and you'll keep aside some portion of the data could be 30 rows i'm just giving you an example if there is 100 but in real world you will have hundreds and thousands of rows Okay. and so keeping aside uh, you know 30% of the data for testing is something which is recommended in real world you'll keep aside that portion of data for testing to see how your model is performing and once you're uh, you know you've solved the problem and built a model the final stage is how is your more uh, how is your algorithm or your model which you've built is going to be actually consumed in the real world so uh, are you going to uh, serve your model in the cloud deploy your model in the cloud or are you going to expose it in the form of an api these are some considerations based on the use case you might have to take or you're going to have it as a mobile application or a web applications there are different frameworks if you want to convert it into a mobile applications or web application or uh, expose it as an api or you can deploy it in cloud so there are various possibilities you know to ensure it can be consumed by the end user so this is a typical flow to summarize it involves data collection data cleaning and then modeling and then finally deployment and after deploying also your model will not perform sometimes after a few months it will stop performing so you need to continuously monitor your models as well so it's a recurring process and uh, so this is a typical uh, you know data science uh, workflow okay wow that's that's very interesting and exhaustive actually you summarized it quite well coming back to my traffic camera analogy on an average we will have lakhs of data points that is lakhs of camera images data collection is collecting the camera footage data cleaning is eliminating every other detail but for the name plates or the car models and modeling is looking for discrepancies and plotting and highlighting them on a graph now deploying means sending to head office or traffic control room on a real time basis for sending out challans to defaulters on a regular basis and continuous monitoring is always watching the footage or, and the models and the discrepancies and if the challans are going through correctly Usha, any courses that you would recommend for those who are looking to get started in the domain of data science? So, some of the courses which I personally like are uh, from Coursera. There is a particular course from University of Washington. It's a machine learning specialization course. I recommend this course because it has both, uh, you know, the right amount of theory and the right amount of, uh, you know, uh, practice. so it has the right kind of coding assignments and the right kind of theory some courses are just too much on theory so people who are interested in coding might lose interest some courses you know they're too much on coding that people who are interested in understanding mathematical foundations might lose interest so this course kind of balances both and uh, so this is one specialization i definitely recommend and the other paid courses are uh, you know you have data camp which is a paid early subscription or monthly subscription it is very very uh, neatly curated uh, website so i would highly recommend data camp 
And if you're looking for uh, free resources to learn data science, then I would recommend some of the YouTube channels like Three Blue, One Brown. And you also have uh, StatQuest with Josh Tamar. And uh, then you have another channel from a person from India is prepared this, uh, is running this channel, Code Emporium. And if you're looking for full-end courses, but freely available on YouTube, then you can also go for uh, some of the playlists from DeepMind uh, for NLP, reinforcement learning, and uh, deep learning. You've got free playlists from DeepMind. So these are free channels which you can check out. And for the paid versions, I would definitely recommend Coursera's University of Washington and the DataCamp course. Both free and uh, paid you have covered. Thank you. We know that you're active in a couple of other areas like neurodiversity, autism, and in women in data science. Can you share a bit about the kind of work you do in these areas? Uh, So neurodiversity is a cause which I'm very, very passionate about. And there's currently a lack of awareness about neurodiversity in India. And so neurodiversity is a spectrum. So autism, ADHD, ADD, and dyslexia, And so there are many other developmental uh, situations which comes under neurodiversity. So what does the term neurodiversity signify is like, it means the variations in brain is normal. So, you know, uh, people having, being different is not an abnormal thing. And, you know, people may be not good in certain things, but they may be good in certain other areas. So embracing the differences amongst human beings is very, very important. And that is what uh, the term neurodiversity signifies. And uh, I've been actively involved in advocating for autism. And so autism is a spectrum. So there are people on the higher end of the spectrum and there are people on the lower end of the spectrum. So people on the higher end of the spectrum, um, they are very much employable and uh, they are um, very much skilled in certain areas of cognition. They have high spatial intelligence. And uh, so a lot of companies have got specifically autism hiring program. And uh, so there are a lot of neurodiverse people who are uh, mostly sought after, particularly in industries like finance and uh, works which involves research because they are very good in out of the box thinking and they're very, very creative people as well. And some of the famous people, neurodiverse people, are uh, Elon Musk, who recently admitted in a television show that he is autistic. And you also have Bill Gates and you also have Steve Jobs. So if you take up the history, most creative people, uh, you know, who have come up with great inventions are all autistic people on the higher end of the spectrum. And so I've been in India, there's a lack of awareness. So I've been conducting conferences to uh, create awareness on this topic. And some of the events which I organized are Neuro AI, uh, which is India's first ever symposium in the interface of neuroscience and data science. And uh, I'm organizing Neurodiversity India Summit every year in the month of December. 
where uh, we talk about it's also first confidence and you know diversity uh, where we talk about uh, you know the all aspects of neurodiversity how uh, organizations can adopt neurodiversity how parents can handle their neurodiverse child better and uh, you know tips and uh, tricks for um, you know various other things as well so uh, this has been my work with regards to neurodiversity and uh, with regards to women in machine learning and data science and uh, women in data science stanford university initiative i am an ambassador for uh, women in data science stanford university initiative as being an ambassador i organize a lot of conferences where i invite exceptional women leaders from various organizations and i uh, we uh, you know present them as speakers so they will serve as a role model for the future generations and it is also a good opportunity for uh, women from across several companies to come together and network so networking is a very very crucial skill so conferences like this you know can help uh, people with similar intentions or similar preferences for research connect together and collaborate outside of their work so there are a lot of people who met in these conferences you know are from different companies there but they've collaborated for solving a social problem using ai so these are great platforms and for people who are listening to this podcast i would highly recommend uh, joining the women in data science stanford university initiative uh, uh, social media groups like this a facebook group linkedin group and uh, also apply for being an ambassador and uh, you know uh, so uh, get uh, meet various women and get into action yeah i'm truly amazed at the way you're bringing people together and championing their cause more power to you sha and it's true that when we are challenged in one aspect there is strength and focus on another i've heard a few names but didn't know about elon musk steve jobs and bill gates see it's only now they are coming out for anyone could have castigated them if not for their success today and we can only imagine the challenges they went through to be where they are today so friends point in context you are unique don't try to fit in be yourself and do what you love and believe in have the faith and keep kicking apna time aayega our time will definitely come and in this process we don't have to satiate everyone be happy in your skin and guard your secrets fiercely <laughs> if they are so dear to you before we call it off i want our listeners to know that usha is a fitness freak who has taken up martial arts after getting a gold medal in athletics in her college she's also into yoga usha how has being an active person improved your career this is a very important question for me uh, sports has been one of the most important instrumental things in my life and mm-hmm. and i got a lot of benefits from sports surprisingly a lot of people don't realize the benefit of sports and the first important thing is it taught me how to handle rejections in life mm-hmm. so handling rejections in life is very very important because a lot of people are very you know when they start out with some new ideas and new uh, you know uh, you know interest you know they are doing good for a certain period of time and suddenly some rejection happens and you know they just break down and they're not able to get up out of the rejection so this is a very very crucial skill and sports teaches you because you know 
in sports you cannot be the winner always especially okay. in group sports you know sometimes you win sometimes you lose and days when you think you will win you'll end up losing so handling rejections is a key skill which sports teaches i mean irrespective of any kind of sports i mean this is something which uh, played a huge role in my life and also building a strong mental endurance is also you know a strong i mean uh, sports is any sport for that matter will build a strong mental resilience and mental endurance mm-hmm. and sports like martial arts are very good with it in comparison with other sports because martial arts is all about your mental training it's all about your mental resilience so you'll have a lot of brain work there so for people who want that kind of a mental discipline and resilience i think martial arts can be a great platform which they can take up and additionally you get a lot of benefits from martial arts as well like you know for women it is uh, you can use it as a self defense and uh, you know uh, you never know when it's going to be useful to you where i would highly recommend martial arts for everyone and um, it's other benefits which uh, which are health related because of sports are you know when you actively engage yourself in 30 minutes to 1 hour of workout mm-hmm. what happens in your brain is there's a lot of neurotransmitters which gets released so these are neurotransmitters are very very crucial for reducing the cortisol and cortisol is a hormone which causes a lot of stress so it, it plays a huge role in bringing down the cortisol levels and keeping your mind very calm and so you can actually focus on the most important task for your day and you know be more productive so sports plays a huge role as well so not many people are aware of this so they neglect uh not taking up exercises seriously but uh you know i would highly recommend please start taking up nutrition and the uh, exercises very very seriously because they're closely linked to how productive you can be and uh, you know if you want, i mean my success mantra or my go to mantra for leading a uh, happy and positive life is uh, having nutritious healthy food and exercising every day very well said we cannot win every time and we learn handling failure so adeptly a small routine a little me time every day definitely goes a long way beat for any gender it keeps us fit active alert and positive and for women being fit is not an option anymore it's a necessity as we transition into other roles like wife mother caretaker of elderly fitness is the only leverage we have to stay sane Finally Usha if there is one thing you want our listeners to take back from this episode what would that be most important thing is having a strong mental resilience because life is unpredictable to a large extent and you know there'll be definitely challenges there'll be adversities and uh, it's definitely not a bed of roses for everyone so mental resilience interpersonal skills is also very very crucial so two things is mental resilience and interpersonal skills one and the second thing is adopting a growth mindset you know evolving from our mistakes and learning from our mistakes and moving forward and continuously learning leaning forward towards the future and positive thinking is very very important so growth mindset mental resilience interpersonal things is the mantra which i would like to leave the audience with 
What a note to end this episode. Build melted resilience, interpersonal skills and adopt a growth mindset. Pearls of wisdom indeed. I hope many girls take inspiration from this story of yours, Usha. Learning paths and all our listeners wish you all the best for your career and life ahead. Thank you, Usha. And I loved every bit of our conversation and all the best for all your future podcasts. And thank you, listeners. I hope today's episode inspired you to set big goals and achieve them and live life on your terms. you for tuning in and making your choice to learn from experiences remember don't ever settle for less when you can be the best version of yourself if you like this attempt as fast please encourage by sharing with friends and colleagues be sure to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and kindly share your reviews and suggestions at learningparts.co.in at gmail.com and until next time keep learning keep inspiring